What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Welcome back to another Blast from the Past episode. This is part 10 of an 18-part series on Become Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. This is probably one of my very favorite episodes because we're covering page 48 and 49 in Nelson's book where he makes this ridiculous claim, can I put all of my income into my infinite banking policy system? And you're not going to want to miss this one. Uh, in fact, we've actually leveled up since we did this podcast. So if you want more details on how to actually implement this side of what Nelson talks about, you're going to want to go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S and download our free ebook on creating your own passive income operating system. This is where we take it to the next level and you can do that for you and your family. Let's dive into this episode, part 10 Becoming Your Own Banker Book Review. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome. This is the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your host, Joey the Italian Stallion Murray, joined as always by Russ the Idea Guy Morgan. All right, Russ. So I think it's time. We have to jump back in to this book review on Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. The fundamental tool that we use inside of our plan, this is part two. We just got through doing this Financial Freedom Live and we talked about how the opportunity fund as we refer to it, but it comes from the concept of using dividend paying life insurance as a asset that then we leverage to buy real assets like real estate and businesses and get that cash flow coming back to us. And I'm glad we're getting back to this, Joey. This is part 10 of the book review. We've taken each one of the chapters so far and tried to make it something that you could um, understand, that you could take in bite-sized chunks and try to apply our personal take on it and how we've used it. Because as many of you have read this book, even though Nelson made it as short as possible, there's a few little parables, if you will, throughout that are hard to understand. And I I just want to kind of recap, Joey, like we've covered a lot so far. We've covered kind of how did the whole infinite banking concept get started. We talked about the problem and that was really revolving around the rate of interest and the volume of interest that we are paying as consumers for all the things we've purchased over life. And, and for some of you, you're like, well, I pay cash for everything. Well, we hit that, right? We, Nelson says, you finance everything you buy 
either you borrow money from someone else and pay them interest or you pay cash and give up interest. And Joey, the other day, I'm going to give you credit again. You said something really profound when we were talking about opportunity costs, because that's really what that statement prior to this said, is you said opportunity cost is the largest expense that you've never been billed for. Man, thank you for that. Thank you for, dude, dude, it's rare that I get a shout out. So I'm, that that's almost worthy of a quote graphic just for you. I love it. All right. Continuing on before Joey gets too big of a head here. Let's keep going. We also talked about how banks make money. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how banks make money and how much money they have made off of us just through the whole deposit versus lending. And then we talked about how you create one of these systems using dividend paying life insurance. And the last episode that we did, Joey, was on how do we use these dividend paying whole life insurance acting as our own banking system to buy something as simple and everyday as cars. Yeah. And so today we're going to be on page 48 and 49 where Nelson has this profound statement, okay, expanding the system to accommodate all income. I'm going to go ahead and actually read this paragraph. But before we do, I think it's important, you know, Russ, we talked recently about our team and why we we spent some time at our last offsite meeting to talk about vision. What is each one of our team members' individual visions and how do they see our company helping them to get there? And the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because what we're talking about in this book is so much more deeper than dividend paying whole life insurance. It's so much bigger than the concept of becoming your own banker. It's the reason why would we want to expand our system to include all income? It's because there's something bigger behind it. There's a there's a, something that's pushing us that we all want. And that's where that vision comes in. So I'm, what are your thoughts on that, Russ? No, I agree. It, this is nothing more than a means to the end. It is not the end. And it really frustrates me that I didn't catch that early on. For so many years early on when we were we were sharing this message of becoming your own banker, I didn't understand that it was more of a means to the end. And to be honest, the reason I feel like I didn't know it is because I hadn't really addressed clearly in my own head, what is the end? What is financial freedom? What does that really look like for me and my family? Right. And I think that that's what I want us to focus on today. We are going to get into some really tactical things, but I think ultimately if we lose sight of what is financial freedom, that's what our whole community is about, by the way. And if you haven't joined this, I mean, there's no better time. We're adding so much content. Go to community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com where you're going to define what financial freedom is for you. And then and only then can you start making the right tactical steps towards that goal. So anyway, I just want to kind of hit on that. And before we we get into uh, this this area here. Page well, I think it's so important, though, Joey, that we do address this because this is something that we hear quite frequently is that I really don't understand. I really haven't addressed that for myself either as to what I would be doing if I was financially free. Is it because it's just such a foreign concept? Like, I can't even imagine what that looks like. But as I play the game cash flow with my family, and when I, I played the last time and I was a police officer, my father-in-law was an airplane pilot. We start off the game 
It's the first time he was playing. So when he sees his income of $8,000 and he sees my income of like 2,100, he thinks, I got this guy, right? Like he thought that he had had, had drew the best card because his income was much higher. His cash flow was much higher. But the reason that the that game was created and the reason that we play it is because it's not about the income. It's about our ability to get out of the rat race. What do we do from that point forward? And, and I think it's challenging that we have to answer for ourselves. What does financial freedom look like? Let's don't make it like it is impossible because it doesn't matter where you're at, how much money you make or how little money you make, you have the ability. It is a simple formula. It's passive income being greater than your monthly expenses. But you must start tracking that. You must start addressing that. And the only way you're ever going to get clear on where you want to go is if you actually just sit down and say, what is it that I really want? And then the tracking mechanisms, all the things we're going to talk about today on this podcast are going to come into place. And they're going to be the steps in the, in the system. It's the elephant. And we're going to just take one bite at a time. But you got to get clear, Joey. And we hear this when people get on the call with our coaches and they are addressing the what what is it that you want to uh, do and where will you be when you're financially free and the answers aren't really clear, it's because they haven't taken the time. So I, I, I hate that we are just hammering that point home, but it is one of the most important things I think we could address. Oh, yeah. You owe it to yourself and your family and your future. So for sure. Now let let's dive into page 4849. I'm just going to read the first paragraph, okay? It always sounds a bit strange to people when I say premiums and income should match. Let's start with a very basic fact. Doesn't all your money go through someone else's bank now? When you get your paycheck, what do you do with it? Right. You deposit it in someone else's bank. Then you write checks against it to buy the things you want in life. While it is in the bank, the banker lends your money to someone else and makes a good living doing it. I mean, I highlighted in my well, I, I highlighted it in my book, good living doing it, and then I underlined it. That that like to me, there's one that stands out. But also, one of the first words, and this is something that if you know nothing about dividend paying life insurance, it says premiums. Like, what are premiums? That could be a question that most people would have is, and then he says, when you get your paycheck, what do you do with it? You deposit it in someone else's bank and you write checks against it. I think we all would agree to that. But did we realize that the banker is lending our money to someone else off of what we deposited into it? All right, Joey, let's break those things down because I think there's a lot of just big nuggets in there that we need to get our arms around. All right, Russ, so is Nelson talking about gross income or net income when he's talking about income equaling premium? I think he's talking about gross income. I think it's the first time I read this and I started to want to apply it. I was hoping that he was talking about netting. <laughs> why, why do you say that? Because <laughs> it'd be easier to get there, right? I mean, it's going to be harder to try to do it with if you have to include taxes. Well, and we've talked about paying taxes through policies. There's definitely ways to do it. Here's what I want to challenge you to do as you're listening to this is, man, you're probably smarter than Russ and I put together. Be thinking of these things. This is where imagination takes place. Come up with ways that you could include taxes in terms of your income equaling premium. So 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I will say, Joey, that I, I have paid taxes from policy loans. I've done that for a long time. It was a part of an idea that I thought of that I could use, and I knew that I was going to have to, in the future, be able to repay those loans for taxes, which have come through windfalls, both in income increases as well as assets we've sold over the time. And I know Nelson, he talked about in his second book, uh, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, he talked about windfalls. And I think as we were talking to his son-in-law, David Stearns, not too long ago, he mentioned later on in Nelson's life, the concept of windfalls became bigger and bigger because he knew as he was getting closer to graduation that he was going to have all these assets and he wanted his kids and grandkids to have policy loans where when he passed those assets to them, they would have a place for them to go. I do think that windfalls is definitely an area we need to consider. It doesn't need to be the first thing we consider, but there is going to be windfalls if we're doing finance right. Would you agree, Joey? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember Russ, we have in our community, in the All Things IBC community, there's an um, IBC 201 course, and we specifically hit on the subject of windfalls from Nelson's second book. So definitely That's need right. to spend time on it. And well, you, you just mentioned something that I don't know if, if you're listening to this and you don't even know what Joey just said. We have a specific group inside of the community. Yes, it's a paid for group, but it is a group specifically for talking about infinite banking. And we went into case studies in there. It's something that in there we do biweekly trainings and, and open office hours so that you can ask questions about these subject matters. So today's concept is a definitely a difficult one. But these are the kind of questions that are going to be answered inside of that group. So I'm giving a little plug here. This is sponsored by All Things IBC today. This is a podcast. Isn't that great if that group to, to sponsor today's podcast, Joey? But because it is, these sort of things are the hard questions that need to be answered. And these are the areas that we have specifically. We can't do it everywhere. We have to take time and apply it. And that's where those specific members get. All right, so Joey, we... We, we don't know if it was gross or net. I, I, I think Nelson would say it's all about how you think first. But but also in here, it addresses, and the banks make a good living doing it. What do you think, or how do you think the banks make a good living doing it? Okay, so I'm, I don't have to be the one to tell you this, but I'm going to give you some stats. Bank of America is a great example. These, these numbers are probably a few years old, so bear with me, but they're still relevant today. At, they had $860 billion in deposits. Okay, that's me and you putting our money on deposit at their bank. $860 billion with a B. They received $44 billion in fees and interest in that given year. That means the interest that we paid them to borrow that money back and or the fees for not having enough money in the account or whatever they want to charge you for today. They paid us back for the use of those deposits, $2 billion. So do the math. If you, if you kind of follow it along, it's about 0.2% that they paid you and I, and they earned a roughly 5.2% on that money. So they, so th let me repeat that. So they brought in 44 billion and paid out 2 billion. So their gross profit was $42 billion. That's right. You're tracking. But they, they get, Joey, they get to keep all that money. Oh, I'm sure they had to you know, pay some expenses they somewhere. Probably, they probably had a billion or two in expenses. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> let's be real. 
If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. But, but most people on the outside would say, okay, that's 0.2% they paid us and 5.2% that they got to keep. That's a 5% difference. So where would we be missing, Russ? Well, no, that where we would be missing is whose money initiated the whole transaction, right? If they didn't put up. Yeah, they didn't put up the two billion to make forty-four. No, they they used your two billion, or they used your eighty the eight hundred and sixty billion, right? I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. They didn't put up the eight hundred and sixty billion to earn the forty-two. They literally only paid interest on your eight sixty, which cost them two billion dollars to turn around and make 44. So when you actually do that from a retail standpoint, you think about it like a business owner perspective, their return was 2,600%. Okay, 2,600. You're, you're, not, you're not missing a decimal point or something, right? 2,600%. Do you understand now why the banks have the nicest, prettiest buildings, why they have marble floors and uh, all these columns and they've got the wonderful waterfall out in front of the bank? Like you can understand. Yeah, how they can pay for it, right? This makes sense to you. But this is why the banking institution is. Nelson said it over and over. Banking is. Someone is going to perform the function. Are you going to abdicate your responsibility to someone else to do it? And if you do, just know that they're going to be profitable in that process. Now, Joey, this is a very hard concept, though. Page 48 and 49 has been asked to me over and over and over. But how do I do that? How can I ever get to the point where my income equals my premiums? It is a, a concept that is challenging our mind. It is hard. No doubt. And I think the reason why it's so hard, Russ, and it, you and I even really struggle with this because we have been programmed, right? We have been uh, we have been focused in on the wrong characteristics. We've been thinking about interest rate. This is the only thing that matters. Interest rate, interest rate, interest rate. That's why people, when you drive by a bank, there's a big banner that talks about interest rates. That's why whenever you get an email or a, something in the mail, that says, hey, it's time to refinance because it's interest rate. And guess what? It's standing in the way of us being able to expand our mind to even consider what Nelson is talking about here. Well, he, he said over and over in this book so many different times, this concept has nothing to do with interest rates. But when we're trained financially to think in terms of interest rates, it is hard. When you say, Joey, you, you're in the mortgage industry and, and you're there trying to repeat to us that it's not about interest rates. And how many times would people call you up 
and ask you, what is the interest rate? Or how many times would you initiate phone calls with people to tell them that the interest rates were lower and that should uh, make their decision making that much easier? But now you're sitting here telling me it's not about interest rates. Oh, the whole business is predicated on that very thought. But why is it not about interest rates, Joey? Because it's all about actual volume of interest. That is the thing that Nelson talked about earlier. We've already addressed it. Well, give me, give me an example. Let's go back to mortgage real quick. Why, if you know what you know today, what is different? When, if, if you are telling people lower interest rates, give me an example of where a low interest rate didn't help somebody. Oh, I think I've even addressed this before, but I had a client one time that was doing great. He had his 30 year mortgage. He was in his fifties. He was, he was kind of on the way down the hill, if you will, in terms of his. Bro, I'm 43 years old. I'm going to be 50. I have no idea what you mean. In general, people are starting to think about retirement in their fifties, right? And he says, Joey, I want to refinance to this 15 year mortgage. All right, pause. I, 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 I'm going to stop. I'm going to challenge that thought process. As you're sitting there listening to Joey right now, do you believe if you're in your 40s or in your 50s that you are now thinking about retirement? Like, I'm only thinking about like, how can my business be that much more successful? It's taken me this long to figure it out. Now I finally have figured it out. I finally have people in the right positions. I'm like, I, I, like, it's go time. Really? Joey, I'm pushing back on that thought process. I'm pushing back. You should, but I'm saying the average person is thinking about an actual retirement date, whereas you and I are thinking, man, I love what I do. Why would I ever want to stop? So are you, are you saying the person listening to you is average? The person that I was talking to, this actual client, that's what he was thinking. Can you give me that right. at least? Come on. I, I don't, I, I've never met him. I, exactly. I so you that, have to give it to him. It, he, he's beat down. It just sounds like he's beat down. He All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. He definitely didn't Continue want to on. keep doing what he was doing. And he was trying to find ways to get to that point. And he said, I want to re refinance to get the 15-year mortgage so that I can be ready to retire. And what happened? We lowered his interest rate, but his payment went up. Okay, that's the key point that I want to point out. A 30-year mortgage to a 15-year mortgage his interest rate went down, but his payment went up. The amount he was required to pay day in, day out, month, month in, month out to the, or the, to the mortgage company went up. So let's stop right there. Let's talk about if we are in this position today and we're trying to focus on rate, but we should be focused on volume, what could we do with those extra dollars, right? Instead of having a higher payment for a 15-year mortgage with a lower rate, right, but a higher payment, then the 30-year mortgage person or the person who has a lower payment could be doing something with those dollars, right? Could they then be creating a greater volume of interest? Absolutely, yeah. They could be putting money into their control, into their Isn't access. That, that, that to me is what today show is about when Nelson is really trying to challenge our thinking. Are we even thinking? Because Wall Street is trying everything they can to keep us from thinking. Nelson says here in uh, uh, the second uh, paragraph of this is that when we take all our money, we put it into someone else's bank, then we turn around and we write checks for 34 and a half cents of every dollar to pay interest, a loan 
back to someone else's bank, we will never see that money again. It is gone forever. But why do we continue to behave this way? It's because no one's ever explained it to them. He says, once a pattern in life is learned in a culture, it is nigh unto impossible to change. His paradigm is fixed. It is set in concrete. And the peer pressure and conventional wisdom is overwhelming. He's really addressing Joey. He's addressing that the, the villain in this story, the person who is keeping us back is all of the ones around us. And it is our thought process. It is, the, is what we have just decided to consume and take as truth, even though it couldn't be more false. Yeah, it's set in concrete. I love how he says that because it gives you that visual that this, it's immovable. It's just been there. It's, it's weathered in a sense, right? So I 100% agree with you. Obviously, Nelson was wise and he knew exactly what he was talking about. So point being, is we've got to take control of our finances and we have to take this banking function, which includes the volume of interest that we're able to hold on to. But how, how are we going to make this come? Because this is a hard part. I mean, this hard part for me is something that we've talked about at length. We get this question a lot. Like my, how, my expenses are too high. How am I ever going to get to where my income equals my premiums? Right. Yeah, no, that's a very common problem. In fact, how many times, Russ, are we on a call and someone thinks they have zero cash flow? And then they, as they start to uncover some of the things that you and I are even talking about right now, how they pay their mortgage, how they pay their debt, are they including qualified plans in their process that don't help them get closer to their goal? Then all of a sudden they start finding a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month or more that was always there. Joey, we were on a call just yesterday with somebody and they were really excited about this process and they had decided, man, I'm going to go forward. This person is very successful. So these numbers, I'm, don't, I'm just throwing out what you're, what you're saying. They said, yes, I want to do this. And I think we could do about $10,000 a month. That makes sense. And then as we started having more and more discussions about this conversation, we started uncovering, just like you said, areas where dollars were going that were not benefiting them. What was the last thing he said before we hung up? Oh, I, I don't even remember where we landed, but it was somewhere between forty and 50000 a month. Well, he said, oh, well, based upon that, now I can do four to five times that number, which is forty dollars or $50,000 a month. Now, that's stupid numbers, but the reality is, is that we have this program in our head that's holding us back. We've never even considered that this is a process in which I'm going to use to do all those other things. So when he's like, well, you know, normally I save money over here. I, I, I buy, you know, I, I pay cash for these sort of things on, a, on an annual basis. Wait a second, I could use this. And even more importantly, why wouldn't I use this to do all of those things? Why would I use it to invest there? Why wouldn't I use it to, to buy those purchases? Wouldn't it make sense? And that is exactly what Nelson is addressing in this specific chapter. He is challenging us to think. Internally, we're going to ask these questions like, can I do that? You know, I'm looking at these insurance policies and initially it takes like three years before when you put in a dollar, you get access to a dollar. So, man, what am I going to do for this first two years? Like, how am I going to get there? And what, what you and I have uh, uncovered for ourselves is that this isn't something that happens overnight. 
Fast forward to page 85 on the book, Nelson says it will take the average person, I'm not calling you listening to this average, Nelson said to take the average person 20 years. Well, he wrote this book 20 years ago. The environment has changed. I bet it will take the average person 25 or 30 years to accomplish this, but that's not the point. The point is, are we on a mission to get there? Are we going to think differently about our money? Are we going to figure out, Joey, can I get there? Now, here, here's, here's a couple of things I want to point out, is that right now I'm in the midst of a 30-day, 100 push-ups per day challenge. Right. You with me? Yeah, I, I'm not doing that with you, but yeah, I'm with you. And I was about to say, I, I was trying to see if you were with me because I hadn't seen you on any of those posts I've been making lately. If, if, you, if you're following me on Facebook, I, I'm posting every day when I do it. And then I'm trying to add something else. Well, I, I, I promise you, I'm not showing off. You, you can look at my physique and know that I'm not showing off, right? There's, there's nothing to show off. But it is a place now that, that I'm no longer able to go to the gym, meet with my two guys every single day like we were doing for almost a year straight, getting stronger, helping each other, supporting each other. I don't have that ability anymore. I'm in a house. I'm in, you know, here with my family. So I am literally having to find a way to challenge myself. And I saw this uh, challenge, one of our other friends started it. And I'm like, I'm doing that. And so now every day I go in there and I post and I'm like, who else is doing this? And, and I'm getting responses. And it's this, this like motivating thing to me to be healthier. Well, will I be healthier, Joey, at the end of 30 days? I think so. There's no way for me not to be. Unless I just don't do it. I mean, it's not, diet and exercise is not like magic. It, it is literally just hard work over and over and over. You just follow a process. But every person who's overweight or out of shape, they know it. It's not like they didn't have the information, but there was not accountability. And I, I think the, the hardest part to this that I, that, that I would say that we've got to challenge you listening to this to be able to overcome, and it's something that we're creating right now, is creating a place for you to actually track your monthly income and expenses and what that cash flow is. Because if you'll start posting that every single time, then you it's gonna be front and center for you. Well, think about even the game cash flow, Russ. Like you and I talk about that game all the time. We've played it as an office, we play it with our kids. What is the importance of that is that it keeps it front and center every paycheck. So whether it's every two weeks, every month on the game is just every time you pass this little, little, you know, paycheck thing and it, you have to update your numbers. It forces you. So you're front and center, you're focused in and you're saying, man, am I getting closer to financial freedom? Yes or no. And if you pass that paycheck thing several times and you haven't gotten any closer to your number, how do you feel? It, You're anxious. Yeah, you got to right? go. You, you gotta <laughs> make it happen. Let's make this thing happen. And that's how I think the beauty of what our community has done for us is it is bringing those things to you. And now now before we get into that, I'm gonna, I want to bring that up in a little bit as far as what we've done to create even additional tools for you. Let's talk really practically, Russ. Okay, someone is is reading this page and is just a burning question. How? How can I start to make my my uh, policies grow, get additional policies to expand my system so that they'll equal income? You, let's let's be honest. What have we learned so far in our journey? Well, I think one of the things that we learned early on is, okay, what sort of expenses do I have? 
that I could take over for myself. And Nelson addresses some of these right here in the book when he starts talking about automobile insurance. He says, hey, you've got comprehensive and collision. You can take that over. If you have built up a pool of capital, you can take that over. Early on, for some of you, you haven't paid off your cars or you haven't paid off your house. You can't get rid of those. The the financial institutions are going to require you to have those. But one of the things you can do as you start building up capital is that you can actually increase your deductibles, which does what to your payment? It reduces it. So then is there not dollars that you are using for an expense that you could turn around and make an asset? To me, that was some of the early things that I did. I I changed the way I was trying to pay off my house. I I changed taking every extra payment and and I directed it toward a premium. I changed my deductibles on, on items. Those dollars became dollars that I put into the premium. I changed the way I was paying quarterly taxes and I started using those as premium deposits. What are some things that you started doing, Joey? Well, I, I just remember it was taking advantage of the lost opportunity cost. I was already pretty good at keeping out of debt by paying cash for everything. But then I started realizing what that was really costing me. So doing renovations on my house, I bought a car, I did uh, vacations, things like that started to be things that I flowed through my policy so that I wouldn't give up the interest that was being lost. That was a huge step. The way that you were funding your 401k. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. Pretty dramatically changed it. When you go to zero, that's a a big change. Yeah. uh, I quit funding it. You went past zero though. You went past zero. Uh, yeah, I actually started borrowing against it to pay premiums, but that's a whole nother show. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there, but there, there's a lot of different things that we have done to change expenses or things that we thought were the only way it could be done. And those are what created premiums. And it kept inching us closer and closer to our income was getting closer to it. Now, here's the thing is that we still don't have all the answers. We're still not 100% there. We're still on this journey. We sat down with David Stearns, Nelson Nash's son-in-law, the person who spent the most time with Nelson over the last probably 35 years uh, outside of his wife. And, and, he, and we asked him that question. Hey, let's just literally, how can we make this happen, right? This is a struggle. And he said, Nelson would be asked that question over and over and his response was more about it's how you think. He was really not trying to say it can be done. He was trying to say, how can it be done? He was really trying to make you think because you know this, if you have children, they'll come up to you. Like I have small children and they'll say, Hey dad, how do you spell this? Well, I don't give them the answer. Joey, why don't I give them the answer right away? Well, cause then they'll never think about it for themselves. Because then they will not be challenged by it. So even if they completely foul up the misspelling, I was reading a paper the other day and, and the, and the um, it was like, we have, and it was spelled W-H-E-V-E, right? I mean, and I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. And, and, and we're just that challenging of the mind helps then her not misspell that again. Well, that's what Nelson is trying to do in this book, in this specific chapter. He's challenging us to think differently. How can we change our thinking, change it on automobile insurance, change it on the the way we pay for our mortgages or our, our, if we if we do pay cash for something are we going to finance it uh, to from our instant uh, from our own financial institution and pay origination fees like what is he doing he's trying to to change our behaviors because our behaviors 
are what ultimately impact our future. Yeah. In fact, Russ, I think the most important thing is we start looking at page 63. Nelson had a very profound uh, paragraph here. I'm going to just read. It's this is an exercise in imagination, reason, logic, and prophecy. None of the figures you're going to see are set in concrete. And he kind of put quotes around that, kind of referring back to what you said earlier. They will vary with interest rates and how you treat the system. Your behavior in managing the system is the most important factor in the entire equation. And it continues on. But just to, to further talk about what you just said, your behavior is the thing he was always after. The way you think folk, uh, pushes you to how you behave. And so if he's always talking about those two things in conjunction, you are naturally going to expand your system. Are you not? You are. That's why I have 20 policies. As soon as I can get you insured again, I'm going to have 21. It is a it's a constant process to get closer to that goal. Now, the, you and I have tried to implement this, and I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. Joey and I have been doing this for a little over 10 years each, and we've built up some policies that have, um, what I would say, have become mature, meaning that um, not that... Uh, Joey is mature, but the policies in of themselves have gotten to a point where they're efficient. I talked about on an episode before, I have a policy that's 10 years old. I put in a dollar, it grew by $2. That's what I would consider mature. It's able to now kick off money to me uh, to help me offset any new premiums I make for new policies, brand new policies that I have to go through that kind of starting capitalization period. But when you and I have implemented this, we've We've set up a plan to where we literally will take a loan out um, from the policy against the policies every month, deposit in our account that pays our monthly expenses. The reason we can do that is because we know what our monthly expenses are. We've done our automated budget, which step one inside of our in our um, course financial freedom is to get your arms around your cash flow and taking the automated budget is an awesome way to do that. But it helps us now know what our monthly expenses are, and then what do we do, Joey? We just take all our income regardless of how much or how little it is in the month, and we use it as loan repayments. That's right. And we have a video in the community that you can uh, find in there. It's called Income Equals Premium. So it will help you visualize what we're talking about. But as you, you take a loan to pay expenses, you put back all your income into a loan repayment. In theory, as long as you're not spending more than you make, you should be increasing that, uh, that loan balance should be decreasing every single month until you have replenished the entire policy. So at that point, Russ, what happens? Well, here, what ends up happening is that we literally have our policy premiums being paid as a from a loan against the policy, right? That's how we keep from paying them back off is because we keep paying our premiums from those loan balances. So our loan balance keeps going down or getting bigger or however you want to look at it, which allows us that run room to be able to be putting back more money. So yes, I'm not spending every dollar that I make, and I'm trying to find more ways to create extra streams of income through all these other assets that we're starting, right? Starting land flipping business, starting the cattle business, getting about to start into the Airbnb space, looking at uh, starting an Amazon business, all of these things, all this extra income that we're creating is going to then just continue to funnel back to pay down those loans that we're having. Yes, if I get to a point where I really am gonna pay off all my loans, I'm just gonna start a new policy. That just tells me that I need to increase my premiums. 
which is helping me track closer toward this goal. Well, and that's that's my whole point. So, Russ, there's nothing magical about taking a loan to pay your expenses and then paying it back with the additional income. All you're doing by doing that is you're tracking better your cash flow. You're putting all of your cash through a policy in some way, shape, or form, and that's going to prove to you over time, because sometimes it's hard to keep track of all this as it continues on. Over time, you're going to say, oh, man, I've got way too much cash flow for this one policy or the second policy. I need to add a third. I need to add a fourth. And you're going to know it because you've been following your cash flow that closely. So it goes back yes. to the same point we talked about. If I've got the cash flow worksheet in that game cash flow, and I'm seeing every paycheck where that money is going, and I'm not getting closer to my goal, I know I've got a problem. The same is true with this. If I'm putting money back in and it's filling up the policy too fast, I've got a problem. I don't have enough room to, in my current policy, I got to expand. And so that's nice. the whole point. We want to bring it full circle. Yep. So here, here's some kind of to-do items as we wrap up this podcast is one, you need to be in the community if you're not already. That's a given. Uh, if you, if you want to get deeper into infinite banking, join the All Things IBC group and start participating with others. And we're going to talk about it in a future episode in the book review where Nelson actually tells us we need to be a part of a group, a wealth club, who already are thinking the way that we're thinking and need to be people who understand infinite banking. I think that that's paramount. But also we're going to be saying, okay, you need to fill out your own worksheet, your own income statement, your own statement that shows what your cash flow really is. And we're creating that right now. We're creating a little um, a dashboard, a dashboard inside of the community. So you can click on, on the left side, click dashboard. It's going to allow you to be able to fill that in. It's going to continue to improve. It's going to be better and better every time you go, hopefully. But this is going to be a, a to-do item. And then I want you to go watch the video that Joey did on how are we practically getting closer to this goal by it just kind of showing you physically what we're doing. We take a loan every month to pay, to put in our account that we use to pay our expenses and then taking all of our income and paying it back as a loan. So if you want to see what that actually looks like, then you can go watch that video. So those are some items. What else did I miss, Joey, as we wrap up? I think that you've got it all um, laid out there perfectly. The bottom line is, is what are you doing to change how you think? If you're not joining our community, if you're not taking advantage of all these resources and tools, this is a missed opportunity. You are giving up the concept of expanding your own system, whether it's through these policies or not. And we want to encourage you right now, take action. We're giving you all the resources. We're giving you the path. I hope this has been helpful. Why don't you join us on the next episode and we'll see you then. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.